God places each of us in the lives of others. And we never know when we're going to have the opportunity to be disciples and be evangelists. A couple years ago, I had the uh, benefit of uh, going to Magigoria. And um, it wasn't a planned trip by any stretch. Um, guys will often wonder at a restaurant, standing there, wives get up, one, one woman gets up, the next woman gets up, and they all go into the bathroom together, and they're kind of sitting there like, what are they doing in there? I was in a meeting a couple years ago, and the meeting was over, I was with a friend of mine, a colleague, uh, thing was over, I was in the men's room coming out, and a friend of mine says to me, uh, kind of off the cuff, he says, um, my wife and I were thinking of going to Madrigoria. And we had been approached many times, my wife and I, about going to Medjugorje, and we've always passed on it. We always were just not quite ready. We kind of thought, you know, a lot of friends of ours had gone. Uh, but we were thought, thinking that, you know, they were just kind of a little, something about it was just uncomfortable to us. Maybe they were just a little too forthcoming or something like that. We were always a little squeamish about going. So my friend says to me, he says, you know, my wife and I were talking about it, and we're thinking, you know, if the mother of Jesus is on the planet, maybe we should go See if she's there. See what it's about. You know, while in the men's room, I thought to myself, gosh, that's a really good question. I have an answer for that. And I thought, you know, I'll bring it up to my wife, Colleen, tonight. So I go home, and it was May, late May, early June. And I said, I said you know, I know we've been this before, but I said, you know, a couple of friends of ours, and, and we're, we're all very good friends, are, are going to, going to Magigori. Well, what, what do you think? And she's like, okay, let's go. Just on a whim. Um, this, the, I don't remember exactly when it was, uh, June, this was like in May, uh, we basically decided on a whim right there to go. Uh, she didn't have a passport, it was expired, we went through all this rigmarole to go. We went because we kind of had an ulterior motive. Um, as much as, I love to tell you, it was this great religious, we had this great zeal to go, we were also wanted a child. Uh, our friends wanted a child as well, we were all struggling. And so it was sort of, you know, if you will, no pun intended, a Hail Mary pass, right? What do we got to do? You know, what can happen? What, what, so we went, um, prayed a lot, got to know Medjugorje a little bit. While I was there, um, I will explain my job in a minute. Uh, I, I represent, as Jeff indicated, the Catholic bishops in Springfield in the state of Illinois. It's a very high-pressure job. There's a lot of pressure on you. Being representing the Catholic Church in the society is not easy these days. And I was saying to my friend, I said, you know, I, I don't know why I'm even doing this job. Who am I? I am not the best attorney. I am not the greatest writer. I'm not a theologian. I don't have a great church background. There are 20, uh, there are so many other people that I could think of that would be better at this job than I am. Why me? Why? I, I don't know why I'm even doing it. I mean, why? And my friend is a very, very good, very high-powered attorney. He's done very well. And he turns to me and he says, what was Paul doing when Christ called him? Persecuting the church. What was Matthew doing? He was a tax collector. He said, do you think those guys were qualified to be disciples? Do you think they really knew what they, I mean, do you think they were qualified? And you know, it was one of those moments in my life when I thought, you know, He's right. My point is, no matter who we are, what our educational background is, what our theological background is, what 
we might be not be the greatest speakers. We all have gifts, and we're all called to be disciples and evangelists in our own way. And that, to me, was sort of the story of Madrigoria. Now, as Jeff indicated, our prayers were answered. Um, there's now four children on the planet that weren't here when we made that trip back in 2009. So we're blessed. Our friends are blessed. And so God does answer your prayers, sometimes not a right away, <laughs> sometimes not when you want and how you want. But anyway, we're very blessed to have um, our child. We're blessed to have a good faith. And I have to say, just as a, uh, a sidebar to Madrigoria experience, it was one of the, you know, it's a very devout place. It's, there's a lot of praying, there's a lot of everything. But I can tell you, we probably laughed more and had a better time than any probably body really deserved to. And it was a time of true joy and true sort of connecting with all of those things about our faith that, that, that we need to be connected with. So my Madrigoria experience was a great experience. I represent the Catholic Church in Springfield. I come here today, it's not probably the best day to be here. Uh, you probably read the papers that uh, the State House passed a bill yesterday. It seems like days ago, right? That was only yesterday. That would use state tax money to fund the termination of an unborn life, uh, an abortion. Uh, it looks like the Senate will pass that bill and it looks like the governor will veto it. So I'm on the front lines, if you will, for the church at the state capitol. And as you all know, that's probably not the most uh, easy place to be these days. Um, but it's not easy for anybody else either. I think we're all called in our own way to be disciples and evangelists for Christ all the time. We always have to be prepared. Um, I often say this in these presentations that I do. Um, you know, what are the two things they say never to talk about in mixed company and in political cycles? church and politics, well, I have both of them. So I can be a walking argument. And I will have to admit, sometimes when I'm in social situations with friends, you know, at somebody's house, and blah, 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 and you get into a group of people and you're like, well, what do you do? And what do you do? And I, I, I've been so tempted to say, you know, I work at Jiffy Lube, I do whatever, I, you know, I'll make up anything. But, you know, as cute as that is and as tempting as that is, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't even think of that. I should always answer the questions. I should always answer the call. And we never know when that call is gonna be. All of us in interacting with each other, as I said in my opening statement, are called to be disciples, or we're all called to be evangelists. The problem is we just never know when we're getting that conversation, do we? We never know the right words. We never know exactly what to say at the right situation. But I think we call, if we're attuned to it, and if we do some things, we'll be better prepared. And the first thing is the importance of prayer. We have to have a strong prayer life. Because in that moment of silence with God, and we're talking to God and asking him questions, right? We're asking him questions. We want this. We want that. We're praying for friends. We're praying for relatives. But I think we get the graces during those moments such that when the call comes, we'll be ready. And that's what I always pray for is I just want to have the words. I don't always have the words, but I try to try. Um, just, just, just today, um, some of the lawmakers that I, I ran into, one of the lawmakers that voted the wrong way, who we spent a lot of time, energy, and effort trying to persuade to come our way. Unfortunately, that person didn't do so. And 
I, I saw the, I, they were, the person was walking up to me, I was walking up to them, and I had the answer. And you know what the answer was? I want to talk to you next week about it because it was so raw today. I knew, I, I'm glad I had the grace today to be able to say, let's, let's talk about that vote tomorrow, that next week. Because I think if I started it right then, it would have been a bad conversation. So I always pray for the, for just to know the right thing to do. I felt better as I walk away that at least I knew that next week I can sit down and maybe we can have a, some a civil conversation. They'll give me an answer and we can talk about it. Maybe we can develop, you know, maybe we'll be better next time. So the importance of prayer. And that's one of those things that I think we just have to do all the time as Catholics, as Christians. The second thing, I think, our customs and our habits are extremely important. I fear that as a church we're getting away from that. And I'm talking about things that sometimes we do in a rudimentary basis that, that, that I don't, like as kids, maybe you know why we're doing You know, the, let's not eat meat on Friday. Let's observe the Sabbath. Things like that. Very things. These sort of Things that we do together bind us together as Catholics. They bind us together as church. And when people see us doing that and hearing about that, they're asking questions and they want to know why. So forming good customs and habits and following traditions of the church, I think, are extremely important. And my concern is that as those, we do those things less and less, my fear is the culture becomes more and more secularized. We become, we go away from God, we go away from our faith, and people just, they drift, and they drift into these secular cultures. They drift into, let's go, as I say, you know, football is the new American religion, you know. How many times, ah, oh, I can't make mass, or I can't do that, a custom and a tradition we should observe on a Sunday. Well, because the Bears' kickoff is at 12. Well, it's at 12, you can go to 11. Day. Well, but the kickoff, you know, the pregame's at 11. <laughs> so you get into this, this sort of, the, the diminishing of the importance of customs and, and tradition. I, I think it's very important we observe those things. And finally, to conclude, I cite the great biblical scholar Groucho Marx, who said that 85% of life is just showing up. I think a lot of times when we don't show up, guess what? Someone else will. And you've got to show up to at least be there. Um, building on that, showing up is persistency and never giving up and always coming back and always coming back. So those three things I leave you with, prayer, the importance of customs and habits, and like, quite frankly just showing up is what we can do to further, I think, our faith and that sort of thing. These are the things that, that I try to do. We're all in situations where we have to pray for the words. We have to pray for the right, the grace to know when to say something and when not to say something. And so I think if we do those three things, um, we will increase our habits and we will do what we're all called to do, which is be better disciples and better evangelists. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Questions? Questions? Sure. Does anybody have any questions? Yeah. Two, actually. One, yeah. Um, to what do you attribute Governor Rauner's change of heart and his willingness to veto House Bill 40, especially given the strong, strong lobby groups who are coming at it from a different direction. And the second question is mm -hmm. just about all of us gathered here and Catholic individuals in the state. What advice do you, as a lobbyist for Catholic yeah. principles, have for us? What can we do? What specific things can we do sure. when bills like this come up, other issues, yep. um, that we can try to make a difference on an individual level? First of all, I'll make sure the camera's rolling, because yeah. me, Bob Gilligan, I take all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the reason Browner, uh, the governor, came out with that, uh, a couple things. I, I, you know, we, we played a role in that. 
uh, Cardinal Supich has talked to him, uh, wrote, has, has talked to him uh, on more than one occasion. He listened. Uh, the Cardinal's been very good on this issue. He's been very good. He met with many lawmakers, uh, the people that we needed to be talking to. Um, he's talked to the Speaker a couple times about this. He's talked to the Senate President. He's been very good on this issue. So have the, some of the other bishops as well in, who had legislators that were of importance on this issue. They were, all the legislators are important. But when you do something like this, you know, when you do what I do, you know who's going to vote for it, you know who's going to vote for it, and then you're focused on the people in the middle. And so it's always been the people in the middle. So the first answer is we played a role in that. Uh, also, uh, the governor um, got a lot of pressure from his party, uh, from a lot of members, Republicans. Uh, uh, a lot of members have taken a lot of hard votes for the governor. Uh, he's been asking them to do a lot uh, for him on behalf of his agenda. And uh, this has been in the press, so I'm not speaking out of turn here. I know this is being recorded. Um, and so a number of them sat down with him and said, look, we need you on this one, Governor. Um, and I think as he's preparing for the 2018 campaign, the third factor goes in here, he's going to have to appeal to his base. The second part of your question, um, what can you do? Uh, we need more people involved in politics and the political process, quite frankly. Uh, I know not everybody, that's not cut out for everybody, uh, but we need to be more educated about who we're electing, what they stand for, um, and if they're not, we need to work to change them uh, and defeat them with other people, uh, becoming mobilized, uh, joining political groups that want to do that. Um, Pro-life groups are great. They get the message out. Our organization gets them out. Get the mess gets the message out. You can join the Illinois Catholic Advocacy Network. Something my organization does. So when there's an important bill, we send emails out, um, and so you can respond and you can call your local state rep and your state center and that kind of stuff when big issues happen. Um, but I think the other thing that, that that we need to do is become more politically active in the trenches, and that's that's hard. Um, you as people can do that. The church can't do that writ large. The Catholic Church can't endorse candidates. We can't do that sort of thing. But you guys are free to do whatever you want. You can give money. You can raise money. You can defeat bad people. You can elect good people. We got to become more politically organized. Than that. That's it's that simple. Jeff, uh, you have a radio uh, radio program. Yeah, can I do. Can you tell us? Is sure. that a call-in program? Yeah, yes, it is. Can you tell us what the main feelings are that, of, of the people out there? What are they? What are they asking for? Yeah, um, I, what I do is I do a monthly radio program on uh, Catholic Radio, AM 950. It's on the third Monday of the month. Uh, I'm always on that uh, as my own program. And so we'll schedule different topics, you know, uh, different topics. It depends on the topic. Generally, uh, you know, pro-life issues generate the most uh, intensity. Do you have a sense of uh, Donald Trump's being elected, the actual role that the Catholic vote on the pro-life issue? Was it a factor? I think that um, the opening on the Supreme Court justice was a big motivating factor for a lot of people to d decide to vote for Donald Trump who ordinarily didn't want to or couldn't and that kind of thing. The Supreme Court vacancy I think really helped Donald Trump in the states that, that he wound up winning that he had to win. Michigan, um, Ohio, Florida, Wisconsin, those states that could have gone either way. The fact that Scalia's opening was there, I think a lot of people did vote for Trump because of that reason alone. The possibility that that seat could go, that that opening would go to somebody who was, you know, allegedly one of the 20 that people seem to like. I think I, I hear that a lot, a lot. Um, it's funny, um, I, I was at a lunch, with. it was a very conservative crowd. And they did, they did a kind of a straw poll of people in the audience. Um, the lunch was with Heritage Foundation people. And um, 
it was a small group, and they did that. Who, who voted for Trump? It was right after the election. Who voted for Trump because of uh, repealing place Obamacare? Nobody raised their hand. Uh, who voted for uh, immigration reform? Like two people did. Um, I can't remember. This is months ago. Who voted for taxes? Taxes. There was a couple people won. Who voted for Trump? Now, once again, this is a conservative heritage foundation crowd. Uh, because of uh, the opening on the Supreme Court, I'd say 95% of the room's hands went up. I was shocked. I was like, wow. And these are, these are mostly economic folks. These are not necessarily social folks. So it's more than just the pro-life open uh, the Supreme Court. There's a lot that goes in the Supreme Court mm -hmm. justice. Mm -hmm. So I think he did an effective job of of, of making that an issue. Anything else? <laughs>